All right. Let's talk about the housing plan brought down yesterday by Vancouver Mayor Ken Sim. This is going to be really interesting seeing this go forward. My guest is Bill Thielman, former Vancouver City Council candidate. Bill is a veteran B.C. political strategist and campaigner. He's been filling in for Keith Baldry here for us very kindly. Bill, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Okay, when you take a look at the skyline of Metro Vancouver, it's kind of interesting because you see the tallest buildings in a city are usually in the like the city core. But when you look at Metro Vancouver, the tallest buildings are in, are in Burnaby, right? And they're getting even bigger. There's even bigger towers going up in Burnaby. It was interesting to hear Vancouver Mayor Ken Sim say yesterday, this is our role model here. This is what we want to do in Vancouver. we got to build these high-rise towers, especially next to SkyTrain stations. Let's have a listen to what he had to say, Bill, then I'll sure. get your thoughts. Ken Sim, yesterday. SkyTrain stations are the envy of many, yet there's a lack of homes surrounding not one, not two, but multiple stations in our city. Okay, he's got a point, doesn't he? Well, yes and no, but uh, what Mayor Sim didn't say last year in the election, as you mentioned, I ran, he did not say, I want to emulate Brentwood Mall area, I want to put up 60 stories. And in fact, the, the existing plans right now, the Broadway plan that the last council passed, this council accepted, and many of them were on it. it, limits it to 40 stories. So he's talking about at least a 50% increase in height, in density, and there's no details. Uh, you know, I think Dan from Man of the Vancouver Sun said lots of talk and very few new ideas and very few details. Uh, you, you have to have a plan which includes all of the infrastructure. I mean, you, you put a 60-story tower up there, there's a lot to it. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of different pieces to it, sewer, water, fire, schools, parks, other amenities, all those sort of things. So uh, I don't know if, if, if Ken Sim wanted to be the mayor to build it turn Vancouver into Brentwood Mall with sky rises like that, he should have said so. And if he got elected, so be it. But that's not what he well, said. I, I, I just looked at the ABC platform, not a word about that. Yeah, well, I've, I've already got a few emails from listeners this morning wondering about whether the infrastructure is in place in some of these some of these areas. But when you think about the, just the wisdom of building rapid transit and pouring billions of dollars into SkyTrain stations and then not and then just failing to build or densify around some of these stations. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense, though. I mean, if you're going to densify, that's where you want to densify, on a, on a rapid transit line. Yeah, you know, I, I don't disagree. Obviously, the, the, there's got to be more density. And, we've, we, you know, if you drive around Vancouver, you'll see there's a couple of stations where there's almost nothing there, uh, yeah. which doesn't make sense either. But, you know, that's, I mean, the, the model for SkyTrain is based on moving people. It's not in, on creating development as well. I mean, it's part, of, uh, it's part of the transit model, but it's not the main thing. So, uh, I, you know, I think that we're going to see more, de- there's no question we're going to see more density around SkyTrain stations. But 60 stories, you know, uh, along Broadway and in other parts of the city, that's not something anybody uh, was aware of or voted for in the last election. What do you think the reaction will be in those neighborhoods? I think some people will be very, very upset. I mean, you can imagine if you're if you're anywhere in that neighborhood and suddenly and, and there's nothing you know taller than six, eight, ten stories. All of a sudden, you got two sixty-story story towers going up there. It's it's just wild. And you know, I heard some of your earlier callers talking about this. Uh, you know, the, uh, the gentleman from the elevator. Uh, operators yeah. or elevator constructors uh, saying, like, you know, this is not easy engineering stuff. There's a lot going on here. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I'm just I'm kind of surprised that Ken Sim would wait a year after the election and drop this bomb. So, 
The other thing I wonder about is affordability here. I mean, we've got an affordability crisis in this city. If Even if you build a whole bunch of 60-story towers, is, are you guaranteed that there'll be affordable condos in those units? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, you can say we're going to have 20%, I think the council policy is 20% below market, but the market is brutal. I mean, right now, you know, it's like 3000 bucks for a two-bedroom apartment or more than that in most cases. So they're not, I mean, all right, so if, is 2900 going to be below market? Yeah, it is. Uh, but can you afford that? Like this is, you know, what what they did talk about in their platform, Ken Sim and ABC, was we're going to target for miss, missing middle housing, missing middle housing. Well, I don't think uh, a, a, a 36 or a 48 story of a, a high rise is going to afford missing middle housing or prepare, give people missing middle housing. That's just not, it's going to be expensive. Hey, Bill, let's talk about the new head of the BC Utilities Commission. So Mark Jackard is out, the energy economist, SFU prof. This guy's been around a, a long, long time. He is the new head of the BC Utilities Commission. Uh, the old guy got, the, the previous guy got fired. Let's listen to Mark Jackard here. I'm interested in your thoughts here. This is a guy who's been um, very, very uh, hawkish on climate change policy. And listen to this clip here. This is going back a few years. Listen to him criticize fossil fuel production and pipelines here. Let's listen. You can't have oil sands expanding. You can't have coal mines expanding, whether in Venezuela or China or here. So if our politicians are being honest about this, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be trying to build these pipelines. Okay, so that's the new head of the BC Utilities Commission. There's a lot of energy demand in British Columbia. Bill, your thoughts on this? Well, it's very interesting because you had David Morton, the head of the BC Utilities Commission, for I think about a dozen years. Uh, suddenly, he's out of his job, and Mark Jacquard is in. And I know I know Mark; I've, I've dealt with him from time to time. Sure. He's he's a little bit of a wild card, I have to say. He certainly um, has been very adamantly opposed to some parts of, uh, as we just heard in that clip, uh, certainly anything to do with fossil fuels, et cetera, et cetera. He's been very adamantly opposed to it. Now he's in charge of regulating power um, for BC Hydro and everybody else is producing power and selling on the grid. So I think it'll be uh, very interesting to see if he is in complete agreement with David Eby or whether the cabinet is going to do what uh, each government says in turn and, and has a hard time doing is not interfere with the Utilities Commission. Yeah, and what about, um, I'm, I'm wondering about liquefied natural gas production in British Columbia. There, there are still big plans to, there are plans and hopes to expand it. Yeah. When you have a, a guy like that in charge of the Utilities Commission, what does that mean for the future L- LNG production, do you think? Um, it's a very good question. I, I would presume that the government has had some kind of conversation with Mark Jacquard and said he's not going to say, no, we can't do any more LNG. I mean, there's a bunch of projects. Obviously, we have the big project up near Kitimat, but the, there's a lot sure. of other projects that are in the works or would like to be in the works. We know that the Niska Nation wants to build an LNG terminal in their territories. We know that there's some other First Nations. Uh, they've got the wood fiber plant there. So, uh, I mean, is Mark Jacquard going to say, well... You know, it's fossil fuel. I don't think we should be doing it. As head of the Utilities Commission, that would be pretty strong stuff and, and very problematic for the province. Well, the, the other part of the puzzle here are renewable energy projects, right? And we've heard a yep. lot of talk about independent power projects, small, small-scale hydro projects that yep. have been controversial in B.C. in the past. Now you've got a new government. This David Eby government has signaled that they're in favor of some of these independent power projects for uh, small hydro projects, especially if there's First Nations involvement. You see those going forward? 
I think you're probably seeing that. I mean, I think what, <clears throat> what we've seen again and again is that the environmental uh, movement, which is pretty strong here in British Columbia, they were behind some of these uh, independent power projects when they first came up under the Gordon Campbell government. And um, I think that the EV government is saying more, uh, you know, it, it's got to have a First Nations component, and that's what's going to let it go ahead. But, you know, yeah. um, Jacquard is going to have a very interesting, he's going to have to thread the needle on a, on a number of issues here. And, you know, uh, I mean, I, I support LNG. I have uh, for a long time, sure. but uh, it is a fossil fuel. There's no question about it. It's a, it's a. I think even the people proponents say it's a transitional fuel to get to newer and cleaner forms of of power. The other thing, Mike, as you know well, environmentalists don't like Site C. They don't. They didn't want Site C to go ahead. Uh, but they also have, you know, they, they don't really propose a lot of other power solutions that would last indefinitely. Um, you know, when when it's not a sunny day and not a windy day, wind and, wind and solar don't really work. Okay, that's one to watch for sure. Let's finish up here with the federal conservative leader, Pierre Polyev, making a, a, a campaign-style swing through British Columbia. Here he is speaking this week in Kelowna. Have a listen to Polyev here in Kelowna. It's now $2,000 to rent a small apartment in Kelowna, forcing many to live in tents. Very large tent city now, right on the, on the trail, where, which grows constantly. We didn't have it before Justin Trudeau. Okay, so I think Paulia is being very clever here. He's kind of mapping out some of these, this turf in British Columbia where he's hoping to pick up seats. Uh, he's hitting the, the buttons I think a lot of people want to hear. They're, they're, people want to hear about housing. They want to hear about, he, he, pressed, he talked a lot about crime, uh, other issues. I, I don't, this guy is, is on a roll here, I think, and I think it's going to be difficult at this point for Trudeau to beat him, but your thoughts on him. Yeah, he's definitely up, and we've seen several polls in a row saying that um, there's still, you know, potentially two years till, I mean, supposed to be two years till the election, yeah. fixed election date. Uh, I'm not 100% convinced that there won't be an election earlier than that, whether if either the Liberals or possibly the NDP decide that they've got to pull the plug on this agreement they have to to keep the Liberals in power. But, um, you know, no one in their right mind would uh, want to pull the plug with Polly of 10, 15 points ahead. That would be suicidal politically. So I don't think so. But he, you know, I mean, he keeps hammering home the same message. Everything is Justin Trudeau's fault. Yeah. And pretty, pretty obviously, I mean, I don't see the Liberals changing leadership either. I think Trudeau is both their biggest deficit and their biggest advantage at the same time. He He's a good campaigner. He obviously has the celebrity factor, but he's increasingly disliked by larger and larger number of voters. And I, I don't know if he can pull it out of the fire. Um, but Polyev has, you know, his own downside. He's He's super negative. He's very, very chippy. And he may not be able to sustain this kind of uh, polling for a two-year period. That's is he, a long is he time. peaking too early, perhaps? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe peaking too early. And, and you know, people are starting to ask, well, okay, what, what is it exactly you would do? I mean, on the housing thing, he's just said, let her rip. You know? Yeah, build, build, build. <laughs> uh, and I think he's let her rip is on a lot of things there. And I don't think that's what everybody in, in this country is looking for. I think okay. they, they want to have a measured approach. Bill Thielman is my guest. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Daryl in South Surrey. Hi, Daryl, go ahead. Morning, gentlemen. Uh, I'll preface this by telling you that I worked 44 years for BC Hydro in the transmission and generation of electricity. So got a little experience here in the, these matters. And I'm recalling a letter I read, and I can't tell you the exact year, but uh, it was from Mark Jacquard. It was just prior to the IPPs coming along. And it was on our bulletin board at work, and it read 
to this effect that uh, British Columbians couldn't keep um, running BC Hydro the way we had been running it, and we had to be more like the American model. I can tell you at that time we had the third lowest rate of electricity in, uh, in North America, and the result of it was the IPPs came along. IPPs, we, we signed long-term contracts at higher-than-market rates. The IPPs supply power when, the, when, the, when there's a spring freshet. They have very little storage. So they're the absolutely... IPP, just so the listeners know, IPP is an independent power project. So these are these small private power projects, right? That's affirmative. And some of them are, they have a few now that are pretty fair size. I can't quote yeah. the exact megawatts they produce. But uh, to follow, the time he wrote that letter, we were, California was having rolling brownouts. And I just laughed to myself that he thought we should be more like them when we had a robust and beautiful hydro system, you know, thanks to Wacky Bennett and some of the previous people. And sure. of course, they had, um, they had postponed Site C at the time because people criticized that, oh, you just want to build it to supply power to the Americans. Well, the darn thing would have been built and paid for by now. So i got to tell you, it scares me to know that this character's uh, got anything to do with BC Hydro and selling the power. Thanks for the call. Well, Jacquard supported Site C, as I recall. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. But, uh, you know, I think uh, what what Daryl said, and I think it's important for, for listeners to know, in San Francisco, for example, their hydro rates, their power rates, electricity rates, are triple those in BC. Like that, that's yeah. the kind of that's the kind of problems they have. Seattle, I think, is double, and, and San Fran is about triple. So it's a uh, you know you, you got to have the right mix, and you got to have a lot of hydroelectric power, which we're fortunate to have here in BC. Yeah, James in Coquitlam. Hi, James. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. Um, glad we have this kind of dialogue. So there's one disconnect with uh, the mayor proposing uh, the SkyTrain and having these 60-story uh, towers. Okay, you can build the towers, but uh, who can afford it? Um, yeah. So uh, maybe a solution would be a minimum of 40% of said towers are to be subsidized housing. Put it in a bylaw, make it a policy. And you know what? Uh, the builders, I mean, it's a bit of a compromise instead of saying the whole thing. And, you know, because they just care about top dollar. But this is unrealistic. I mean, are you totally out of tune of what's going on in society? We, we keep building things, but if people can't afford them, it might as well be like what North Korea is doing. Hey, look, at we've got all these towers, but they're sitting empty. So okay. Okay, James. Thank, thank you for the call. Bill, your thoughts? Yeah, well, look, Mike, I just uh, looked this up. Burnaby's two-bedroom average rent for a two-bedroom is 3168 So they've been building all these towers in that. And Vancouver's is 3670 So they haven't, you know, conquered the missing middle market. They haven't created tons of affordable housing. They've created very expensive apartments mm-hmm. in, in high-rise towers. And so, you know, this... Uh, my frustration is that the, this is something that all the developers are saying this, but that's not what all the experts are saying. And, and city councils are listening to developers and not to the experts okay. and not to people. Gordon in Port Coquitlam. Gordon, you got 30 seconds here. Go ahead. Yeah, I live in Burnaby, um, right around a lot of those towers. And actually, the experience with the high towers has been very positive. You know, lots of other development comes with it, restaurants. You know, other infrastructure services, it's been very positive. The only negative, I would say, is transportation. A lot of high-end condos, because they start at 900000 but mm. there's not a lot of extra road space, so the traffic's getting a bit worse. Okay, Gordon, thank you for that. No, we had some very positive calls on the open line earlier, too, Bill, from people who said, hey, these high-rise towers, these communities in, in Burnaby are great. 
Well, some people like them, there's no question. And I, I yeah. think that that's as long as people have some kind of a choice in the matter. But I think when you campaign and say you're going to do certain things, I mean, Ken Sim also said he's going to double cooperatives, which is affordable housing, and I haven't seen much on that. Okay. Um, then you gotta you got to fulfill what your promises are, and you got to let people have their say. Bill, thanks for coming on today. My pleasure.